0: All right. Well, welcome everybody to episode twenty of the Blow Off Valve Podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And given that uh, Formula One did not have a race this week, we're kind of back to our more traditional, um, interesting topics from the uh, from the world of automotive news. So there was a really big one uh, in the past week or so that it's not sports car or hypercar or anything related, but from a car perspective, it is huge, huge, huge news, and that was or debuting the F-150 Lightning, which, if you're like me, you immediately think of the SVT Ford Performance um, yeah. high-performance truck from our youth. But this is actually the first all-electric F-150 with up to 30—I'm uh, sorry, 300 miles of range and a starting price of thirty-nine thousand nine hundred and seventy-four dollars. So, good range and you know a very reasonable price of entry for a new car. The mm-hmm. standard range is is good for 230 miles and 427 horsepower. And the extended range model is good for 300 miles and 563 horsepower. Both make 775 pound-feet of torque, which is really important, obviously, for a pickup truck that's going to be used to haul things and, you know, work on construction sites and stuff like that. And also, both forms are going to be all-wheel drive. So, uh, again, adding to the utility of these trucks. Fast yeah. charging maxes out at 150 kilowatts. And that gets you from about fifteen percent charge to eighty percent charge in Fords. I think importantly, Ford chose to really build it to look like a traditional F one fifty. It doesn't look it's not a cyber truck, you know, it, right. it looks like a normal truck. Yeah, it's um, normal. And well, it's okay. Some people like normal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they're also going to be offering, uh, blue cruise, which is Ford's, it's kind of like Tesla's autopilot, but they don't call it autopilot. They, they're, they're more reasonable about what it is. It's a very advanced adaptive cruise control, basically. And the other kind of interesting thing I thought was that the, uh, battery can actually flow out. So it works as a mobile generator, uh, as well. If you have a full charge, you can, you can power your house with it during a blackout. You can power you know, uses a generator on job sites. So it's it's really a pretty, it seems like a pretty adaptable platform. Yeah. Um, and the question I had for you is, we know that EVs, despite all the talk, are still in the single digits in terms of the overall car market. Yeah. And do you really think, do you think this could be the first EV that experiences more widespread adoption?
1: I think it stands a pretty good chance. I mean, price-wise, it, it comes in at a, a Pretty good numbers, especially if mm-hmm. you know you consider the, the tax credit, and you know depending on what yeah. state you're in, there might be some other credits as well.
0: That forty grand entry does not include the tax credit, so that's a really good point. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, um, and then you're looking at numbers, you know, performance numbers that are pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's going to come down to kind of like we've discussed before. It'll come down to people's lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. if you're Plan to haul you know some i don't know motorhome or 900 horsepower but, boat that, you know weighs freaking six tons up up north right i don't know that this is going to be the right ticket um for that you know the one of the things you notice with these cars is inefficiencies um really really hammer range so mm-hmm. Bjorn did this test of the ID4 a couple of I don't know what it was Maybe probably within the past couple of months mm-hmm. and it was out in Norway and he did like he you know burned the battery down and was going like 55 miles an hour and he got 200 and like I think it was like 290 miles of range out of it mm-hmm. and then when he when he went like 75 miles an hour he got like 190 miles of range
0: Mm, yeah, so just That's, that increased wind resistance.
1: Yeah, and, and so now if you put behind this truck uh, 7,000, you know, you're towing six trailer wheels. or something. Yeah, like you're going to definitely 100% want that 300 range version. Right. Um, and, then and it one just thing- depends on like how far you're going. So I think uh, to get back to your original question, I, th- I do think that this... Could make inroads in in a number of ways. And I think one in particular are the people that own trucks and they just like to have a truck, but Mm -hmm. they actually don't do a ton of hauling and, and, you know, outside of like putting some stuff in the bed once in a while. Right. Those, for those people's lifestyles, these things are going to be really good. And I've Mm -hmm. said to you and and many people, I really think in America, 300 miles um, is. For convenience sake and not needing to charge a lot, like a base entry, like that should be the, I think people could argue with me on this, but I think for at least living in the Midwest, which is a lot where a lot of these trucks are going to get purchased, Mm -hmm. um, we've got some distance to cover. So 300 miles is super helpful. Yeah, Um, And then the other person I think will really benefit from this is the person, you know, that has like a, let's say does a lot of construction work with it. And I thought it was really cool because I saw some pictures of it, you know, plugged into like electric power tools. Exactly. And yeah. so if uh, presumably if that thing takes 41 minutes to charge, I, I, I don't actually, this might be my ignorance. I've, I've looked a little bit, but I haven't spent a ton of time looking at what are the size of these battery packs?
0: Mm-hmm. My guesses
1: guess is they're pretty big because, you know, at 150 kilowatts over 41 minutes you know, that's a lot of, that must be a decent sized pack. So for yeah. the person that's, you know, just kind of driving around town doing construction work with tools, like this could be a really, a nice niche product, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. What's interesting about the story, and I don't think it was in the initial reports, but Ford's uh, mileage estimates mm-hmm. are are based on a truck that actually is carrying a load. Now, I'm not sure what oh, the weight is. But well, that's
1: a good thing, because yeah. w- one of the things that people that buy Fords that would not handle is the kind of BS that Tesla puts out there with their range. You know, oh, if they came in yet. and were like, oh, you'll get 500 miles out of this truck, and, and, and reality, no one gets anywhere near 500 miles out of the truck, like that would not right. go over well with them. No, because you know?
0: people are going to use these or want to use them for you know going towing stuff for family vacation or whatever you know and yeah so i i think i think it's going to be a really fascinating litmus test personally because the the whole ev movement i think at least up till now has kind of been couched in environmentalism mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing but we both know that at least a good minority of people that are routine Truck pickup truck purchasers are not going to be on that kind of political <laughs> yeah, side of the worried. aisle. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're not worried about that. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, they're they're the roll and coal bros, right? So yeah,
1: and the, and the main reason that they're going to be interested in this is the 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 dude the same dudes that are going to be interested in the EV Hummer, not right. to save the rainforest. They're going to want it because it's 9,000 pounds right. and it goes zero to 60 in three seconds. Right, exactly. Most supercars. Super you know? Right, yeah,
0: totally. I I just, I think it's going to be, you know, the F-150 is the best selling car in America pretty much every year because personal vehicles, fleet vehicles, construction yeah. firms, all these people are buying them. And you combine that with... A very reasonable starting price even without the government tax credit i think you know it has a reasonable range yeah. i think this really could be something that starts converting people over but like you said the people buying these if it's a blue-collar construction worker or a guy that owns his own plumbing business or whatever like they're not going to put up with bullshit, right like, no. like you said they're not going to put up with the tesla stuff so that's where I think the infrastructure is gonna be extremely important. Yeah, I was just the first you know, time a, the infrastructure <laughs> screws with them and they're having to flatbed their F one fifty home because they ran out of juice, they may be selling it the next day. You I, know, I th- think
1: that's a really good point. And that is something I don't I don't think the manufacturers have thought to that point yet. I think that they all keep saying like, Oh, we'll just use Electrify America. And right. Electrify America Works pretty well, but it's not perfect. It's not as good as Tesla's network where you just people don't even like think. And yeah, you and I, when we were driving the Ticon back, we saw some of the EA shenanigans, right? Yeah, and these guys, you know, are not going to have a lot of patience for that. No, and frankly, they're,
0: they're not the early adopters <laughs> that are willing to deal with BS like some of the BS you've dealt with yeah. because you believe in, yeah, the, yeah, the idea of it, you know. You know, one of the other
1: things I'd like for people that are contemplating buying one of these just as an interesting experiment, because the price on these are, are kind of like what you would pay for a truck, just a gas truck, just period.
0: Like that's that's not terribly thing about it.
1: Yeah. They're not terribly far off of that. And once you throw in some tax credits, it's like, okay, I'm looking at a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd like people to really run some numbers. What do you put on, per year in terms of miles are you putting on 10 15 20 000 miles mm-hmm. and then do some back you know nap back of the napkin math figure mm-hmm. out what you're spending on gas mm-hmm. um, and then compare that to what you would be spending in terms of electricity oh, just, yeah it can it can be a pretty profound difference you know right. i don't i don't want to i need to look this up and i'll do it again i did the numbers for like. You know, an SUV and a sports car, like trying to compare, like a Panamera to the Taycan, mm-hmm. and um, it amounts to quite a bit of cash out of pocket every month. Difference, like it's substantial, right? And Especially if you're
0: it, charging at home, you're not having to pay for public charging. Yeah, stuff. you're not paying for, and a lot of these utilities,
1: um, like our utility in particular, you know, our standard electrical rate here is like twelve cents per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. And um they offer an off use like overnight where it goes down to like six cents. Oh yeah. So, so if you multiply overnight. it Yeah, I think I just like guessed a couple days ago, like looking at our Etron, you know, if, you know, if you were ten ten thousand miles a year, let me just think about these numbers because we you know it's not like the most efficient car, so let's just say you're getting like, you know, two miles per kilowatt hour you're using five thousand kilowatts mm-hmm. I think and so you're spending like six hundred dollars. Yeah. You're spending six hundred dollars to go ten thousand miles. And if you could get that cut in half to three hundred dollars, like yeah. yeah for a lot of people that's a lot of a, money saved.
0: Yeah. Well <laughs> especially you're if you're gas. yeah especially if you're driving a lot. You know I mean one of the things you know um I was, I saw Matt Fair on Twitter, the smoking tire um, host and YouTuber, and he has a, a Mustang Mach-E that he got for his wife. And he said, he's like, I haven't had to publicly charge that thing once because we use it to run yeah. around every day and we're not doing 300 miles a day anywhere. It's uh, And that's true. It's a lot of, we're, we're guilty of buying for
1: the 1.1% use case.
0: Right, and, like um, what if I need to run to Chicago tomorrow, <laughs> you know? <It's, laughs>
1: you know, yeah. and, and my wife and I, we talk about that a lot with our e-tron, you know, we just got back from a, a trip up north, and we have to use some public charging infrastructure, mm-hmm. and it adds a little bit of time, but, you know, we take our dogs up, and so we can get them out, walk them around for 20 minutes while we charge, and yeah. overall, it adds probably 40 minutes of, mm-hmm. you know, charge time to what would... Uh, a straight four trip. hour drive yeah but the truth is it's actually really nice to get up, to be forced to get out of your car <laughs> and yeah. take a break you know <laughs>
0: well yeah and i mean you know we've talked about this before but if you're doing like you know if you're driving up north you leave here and get up into the cities like you stop have some lunch while your car's charging yeah you know take a break like, take a break yeah so, it's helpful, like, for your mental health yeah.
1: <laughs> and your road range. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, I, I, think yeah. It's, I think it's a lot of these trucks are going to be work trucks, and I don't think they're going to be covering 300 miles a day. And so I, yeah. I think they could be a really nice addition. I'm wondering if a lot of them, so Ford is also putting out, I think it's, I forget what they're calling it, but it's the fleet vehicle version. You're right. Yeah, and that's even priced better. And that's uh, priced even better. The, so yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to start seeing a lot of, you know, oh your God, lawn yeah, companies yeah, or whatever, lawn care. Or or yeah, whatever. Lawn care or
1: hell, think about like state governments. Yeah, you know, just totally. all their freaking fleet cars. I mean, your maintenance costs should go down a lot. Your use, your fuel costs, costs should go, go down. down a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, so. if I was, if I owned a, a plumbing company, say, and I had, you know, three or four trucks, you know, they're not mm-hmm. covering 300 miles a piece, more than likely, and if I can cut down my maintenance costs, my fuel costs, I mean, plus I get a government tax credit on each one, like that could be huge. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if that's where a lot of this, if we'll start seeing a lot of these yeah. out on the road.
1: You know, and I really am excited about that. I, I, I'll be honest, I have to do a little bit more like learning on this. I i fundamentally understand the concept of pulling juice out of the battery to power your home. Yeah, I'm sure it's a little bit more complicated than just like, I'm sure you've got to have an appropriately sized circuit, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you're charging it with is probably, you know, you can pull out quite a bit and let's say it's a hundred amp circuit. Well, you know, a lot of homes are like 200 amp or more. And so you're probably not going to be able to power everything in your home, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you could get your, you know, AC running, your lights on, yeah, your lights on, maybe like a TV or something and your router, you could get through a power outage. And, um, yeah. those are, you know, that's a lot of juice, uh, to have available, you know, let's say the thing has a hundred kilowatt hour, you know, capacity and most of that's available. I mean, that should take you a few days.
0: Well, and that's what they mm. said is it, it gets you through a blackout for three days and, yeah. you know, the utility of it. I could see, you know, we saw in Texas, you know, this past year when there was this oh, massive God. outage. Yeah like imagine if some of those folks had been able to have essentially a generator at home. Yeah. And when their generator ran out of juice, they drive to somewhere that has power, has a public charging station, charge a backup, drive home. And they've got another yeah. three days where they can get by. I mean, it's obviously that's an extreme use case, but mm-hmm. it's a compelling one,
1: you know, and that's another like kind of public service announcement for people that are interested in getting this thing. I would talk with an electrician and just see what what it involves, you know, kind of like Mm -hmm. optimizing for that. Is it a bigger circuit? Is it, you know, because it's it's a lot easier to do if you're going to, you know, add all that stuff to your home. It's a lot easier to do that once than have to bring them back out, you know, for like a follow-up visit to set that up. Because I've heard a lot of manufacturers talking about doing that going forward. It makes a hell of a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I think it's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to start seeing some of these rolling out, um, seeing kind of how they get used, but, um, moving on to, to a car that debuted before we actually started the podcast, but is now kind of coming out, reviews are coming out about it. And that's the Maserati MC20. So this is Maserati's kind of return to... A, a true sports car. So they've been putting out the Maserati Quattroporte and Ghibli and yeah. um, the uh, whatever the SUV is called. I don't even remember because I don't yeah, really we'll care about it
1: or something. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: something like that. But much more compelling to me is the MC20. So it's a it's a twin-turbo V6 mid-engine um, sports car that produces 621 horsepower, 539 pound-feet of torque, Zero to sixty is supposedly uh, about two point eight eight seconds with a top speed of two hundred and two, and it's an eight-speed dual-clutch gearbox. And they also cited cited a stat of a zero to one hundred twenty-five mile time of eight point eight seconds, which I find really interesting that they even mention that. But a lot of yeah, these agree, supercars yeah. are starting to do that because. You know, when we were younger, like zero to 60 times, like I could tell you the zero to 60 times of pretty much every sports yeah. car. And nowadays they're all so similar. They're all within a 10th of each other because we're yeah, at the limits. Same
1: experience, zero to 60, basically. You're,
0: you're at the limits of tire adhesion at that point. So now it's like, okay, well, this new metric of zero to 125 miles yeah. um, an hour. it's
1: It's kind of silly too because a lot of us, you know, if if you're not, if you don't have a drag strip nearby, you're never getting to that track. You're not,
0: yeah, you're you're not not, getting to it safely. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that being said, the reviews are almost all very positive actually. But I want to kind of ask you, are you excited about a V6 supercar and especially one from Maserati?
1: Uh, I'll be honest, not, not (laughs) really. I mean, it's kind of the same thing that happened to the, you know, back in the day when I was obsessed with uh, the Audi A5, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there was a time I th- think if I'm remembering this right. Yeah. The S5 was like a V8.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, cause I remember at the time I was contemplating getting one and I did actually eventually got one, but uh, before I bought my, the more modern version, they did have a V8 on the lot, and I remember listening to it and just being like, Oh my god, that's the ticket! Like, yeah, it, it sounds weird, really good. The ticket, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I do distinctly remember when the uh, the man and the uh, manager was out kind of revving the engine on the you know, V6 turbo version. I was like, Ah,
0: it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, does yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I agree, so, yeah. You know, it's it it so I was trying to think of other B6 supercars that are out, and really the only one is that I could think of was the 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 actor NSX, which you know, I mean the power is there, but like you said, the sound is not yeah, and so, I haven't heard the MC20, but the sound of the NSX was yeah. not particularly compelling.
1: You know, and so I think that's probably the truth. I mean, as a manufacturer, I'm sure some component of it is like compliance issues. But right. Maybe the other component is if they're, you know, when you look at this thing, it does look like a sports car. You know, it looks it's, great. Yeah, it looks great. And I think in terms of weight, you know, you look at the 911. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably don't necessarily need you know, eight cylinders in this thing and what it can accomplish with the six it's got and 621 horsepower is pretty impressive. So I'm sure it's a very light, nimble car and probably a blast to drive. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it looks great. The Maserati component of it to me is interesting because Maserati from a historical perspective is a very interesting and compelling name in racing. It has a lot of pedigree, but unfortunately none of that pedigree is very recent. So Yeah, the exactly. Most, the most recent Maserati that really did anything in racing and that I was interested in was the MC12, which was the basically kind of rebodied Ferrari Enzo. Yep. And Maserati nowadays to me unfortunately is basically it's kind of like taking a similar road as Alfa Romeo where Yeah. I just I hear it. And I'm like, oh, that's an unreliable sports car. I have, yeah, you know, I just assume it's going to be unreliable because that's what you know. The Maserati Quattroporte was pretty notoriously unreliable, and the and the Ghibli's were even worse. Um And so, and so, you but know, the MC Twenty may be bulletproof. I don't know, but I think yeah. it would. If I'm going to spend well into the you know, two hundred plus thousand dollar range on a sports car. It's probably not going to be one that I think is going to be in the shop every other week.
1: Well, and that's I do remember. Um, what is it? The Road Rat. They mm-hmm. they had an article, and I I do think they mentioned you know Alfa Romeo, and I think they mentioned Maserati, and we're basically like you know here you have these car companies, and are they
0: zombies? Basically, oh, at this that point, that was a good article. Yeah, yeah, these, I, these marks thought,
1: that are continuing on. Yeah, and it's like God, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that. Like you hate because you, you know, like this weekend I was, you know, when we were on the road. I, I saw Alfa Romeo go by, and I was like, oh look at that, you know. I was like, so mm-hmm. my wife, look at that Alfa Romeo. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really cool, <laughs> but it's, it's cool Yeah, it's cool, but it's cool because of the historical perspective. Yeah, I mean the reality is
0: like Alpha hasn't won anything in motorsport, as far as I'm aware of, in our lifetime. Yeah, Uh, and so,
1: and so basically, dying
0: from that.
1: And it's gotten to the point now. Enough time has gone on. You haven't seen that. That it's it's kind of like these companies that are trying to figure out what what do we do here with these cars and how do we make money and they seem to kind of jump and careen between ideas right and they just they're not locking it in and i i kind of fundamentally wonder if they ever will
0: yeah um, i i think it's going to be really tough there's a lot of cool brand cachet associated with them but you know i, I think in that same article or in a similar article in road rat you know, they, they kind of alluded to the fact that a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of issues with um, unions and, and, you know, the working situation, people walking out of factories very frequently in Italy uh, that have contributed to the downfall in build quality and, and subsequently the brand reputation for these companies. And, and I think it makes it really hard to get excited about them for maserati like they're probably trying they want to attract you know the well-heeled people in their 30s 40s 50s you know but the only people that really know what a maserati is are probably people getting into their 60s and 70s unless they're really like hardcore car people so they're in just i think kind of a weird spot and and you're right i think it's it's, you know, in the case of Alpha, you know, it's, it's Stellantis is trying to keep that mark going and it looks to be a very cool car. We'll just have to kind of see. But I think one, it being Maserati and two, it being a V6, albeit a powerful V6, is kind of made me less interested. And there was one last topic I wanted to get your thoughts on, because I think it's really pretty interesting, and that's Audi charging for on-demand navigation and some other services, uh, over the air. So Audi's announced that it's going to be charging to add features to vehicles over the air with its new functions on demand uh, program and They're gonna be starting with on-demand navigation Audi is Going to be bringing in this on-demand navigation for people who either didn't have the navigation as an option when they bought their car or maybe they bought a used car that didn't have uh, navigation the uh, optional navigation system What's crazy to me is is the cost of this. They're saying it's going to expect it to cost eighty five dollars a month, yeah, or eight hundred and forty nine dollars a so year. So stupid. And so I wanted to ask you, like, who the hell is buying this? If you were if you were too cheap to spring for the navigation option when you bought the car, or you bought a used Audi and you didn't find one that had a navigation system as as an option, you're going to actually you're you're going to pay eighty five dollars a month. When you have an iPhone or an iAndroid?
1: Those guys are on drugs, man. They're smoking something that does... I mean, I I think you sum it up. If you're that cheap and you avoid it, you're basically just going to use your damn phone like the rest of us. I'll be honest, man.
0: I use my phone anyways because it works better than my
1: (laughs) navigation. Oh, that's the point I was just going to make. I mean, we've got, you know, an Audi e-tron and... (laughs) I haven't even honestly even tested the navigation system. I don't care to use it. We just plug in our iPhone and use, you know, Apple and away we go. And it's the thing that I, I think at the end of the day that, you know, you just get so much more data from, um, people instantaneously using the same thing like when we were driving yeah. home i hadn't seen it before but i i guess i don't do a lot of long distance driving but on the apple maps it like prompted like oh there's supposedly an accident you know a mm-hmm. mile mm-hmm. ahead of you um is it still there has it been cleared you know like asked questions oh yeah for you like crowdsourcing. To. yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that it's just and then also just like the map updates you know i think mm-hmm you know the big players are going to do a better job about that they're going to you know they're going to be um innovating with these technologies mm-hmm. and so i think from a car manufacturer it's it makes a lot of sense from you know scale in terms mm-hmm. of like production and assembly to just say screw it we're just going to throw all that stuff in the car yeah if, you know we buy a million of these sensors like we get a big discount and mm-hmm. so from that perspective it makes sense to put it all in there. Yeah. And I guess later on, let's say, you know, you wanted to buy this Audi and it didn't have navigation and you just had to have it. Well, yeah, I guess you can turn it on. But for that yeah. amount of money, I think they're um what they need to realize is they're they're fighting against something that's free and it's mm-hmm. really good.
0: Yeah, I mean when and I So get I don't it, know
1: how you justify that amount of money
0: <laughs> yeah I, I when i get in my my say i'm getting in my 911 going for a drive i immediately plug in my phone which i've got apple carplay so it integrates yeah. my iphone i bring up google maps i bring up ways and i go i i don't i go. i don't even i've never even used the porsche navigation because <laughs> i know it's going to be worse And yeah, because it's not getting updated as frequently as like you said, as, as Google maps and things like that. And I think this all stems from Tesla because Tesla was the first car company that's was, that was as far as I know, I know BMW kind of flirted with the idea, but I don't think they ever did it. Tesla basically got people used to the idea of paying money for over the air updates you know for adding features to their car and it's just it it actually mirrors to me what's happened in video games in in oh for sure it it mirrors
1: so many things in our lives and it's really annoying but it is what it is yeah
0: back in the day like people lost their minds when i don't i don't know if it was world of warcraft or who yeah they had like (laughs) a mount for two dollars and people are like two dollars for like this is bullshit. <laughs> and now kids are paying twenty dollars for a, a skin in Fortnite, and and uh, yeah, we've just kind of gotten skin. used to that. Um, yeah. And I think that Audi is <laughs> Audi's banking on this costs them pretty much nothing to set up aside from some bad press, arguably. Yeah. yeah. And if they can even get. Ten thousand Audi buyers to do to be dumb enough to do this. <laughs> That's eighty five thousand dollars a month yeah. that they get to make. So I think yeah. they're just betting <laughs> that the bad press will quickly go away. Oh that, yeah, I think it will. I, I and, do think it will. And then um, they get to do this and and scam a bunch of sixty year olds yeah. buying Audis. <laughs> one <laughs> of the one of the better.
1: one of the things that I think they might have an edge on is um you know originally when i got the tycon i didn't really mess with it i heard a lot of complaining and and i just it kind of fell under the category of yeah that's what i expect so i'm not i would never use it mm-hmm. but it did sound like in the software update they really improved the navigation um to interface like with the battery and mm-hmm. find fast chargers that's, and, that um, makes sense And so like, that is one piece in the EV world in the future, you know, Apple, you might be able to like put into Apple and say like, okay, this is the car I have, uh, here's my current state of charge and here's where I want to go. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, here's where you need to stop. Yeah. But I bet that these car manufacturers are not going to turn over battery data because, you know that's going to be really useful when it realizes like oh you know the, there's a difference between a battery at 90 degrees and one at 30 degrees and how far you're going to get. Right. And so that might be a way that these car manufacturers kind of force your hand
0: mm-hmm. into using
1: some of their technology. Yeah. Um in in the EV future, so watch out. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's a good point. Um well, is there anything else you want to add, buddy?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, As always, we appreciate it. Um, If uh, you want to get in touch with us, we're the Bluff Valve podcast on Instagram. It's a good place to keep up to date on the show and and ask us any questions or bring up show topics you might be interested in. Please, if you're on whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or whatever, just uh, please rate us um, it helps, uh, kind of get the show out there more. So otherwise I think we've got, uh, the, uh, Grand Prix and Baku coming up on Sunday. So expect to hear about it uh, from us next week. And until then, we'll see you next time.